Before we get started, After the Monuments is proud to receive support from VCU Massey Cancer Center. Massey Cancer Center wants you to imagine a future without cancer. All it takes is one, a revolutionary idea, a promising clinical trial, or a new breakthrough. See how Massey is developing new approaches to prevent and treat cancer for every person in every community. Learn more about this future for everyone at MasseyCancerCenter.org. Before we get started, After the Monuments is proud to thank Team Henry Enterprises for their support of our show. Team Henry Enterprises is a black-owned contracting firm specializing in office, retail, medical, multifamily, and higher education construction of all scopes and sizes. In the wake of the George Floyd protest, Team Henry is the very firm contracted by the city of Richmond to take down the Confederate monuments in Richmond and by many other municipalities to remove other Confederate monuments around Virginia and throughout the Southeast. Learn more about Team Henry and how they can help your community rebuild, renovate, or design at TeamHenryENT.com. I'm Kelly Lemon. And I'm Michael Paul Williams. And welcome to the After the Monuments podcast, where we look at events and news about race in a historical context and see how, too often, history repeats itself. Welcome to another episode of After the Monuments, a real talk about race with Michael Paul Williams and Kelly Lemon. Uh, Michael Paul, today, you know, another just kind of topics. Breaking news, as we say here, you know, on the newsroom floor, but not really breaking news, but things that you're writing about as you have a biweekly column right here at Richmond Times Dispatch. You can see Michael Paul's column also at um, Richmond.com. But um, this Sunday's column was all about the anniversary, two years, Mm -hmm. two year anniversary of the murder of George Floyd. The, uh, the anniversary um, of his murder, which, um, if memory serves, was Wednesday mm-hmm. to the day. And um, also kind of a commemorative of the weekend that followed, yeah. um, where in Richmond all hell broke loose. Yeah. Or all heaven, depending on your perspective. Yeah. Let's, let's go back to, to hell. That when, when it literally broke. Um, because it, everything, it, it was actually Memorial Day Monday. Right. When when the 25th, May 25th. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was that Monday. And, um, you know, I have a business downtown Mm -hmm. um, and I started getting the notifications to board up. Really? Uh huh. So you saw it coming or Uh you were warned? Yeah, I was warned. I was warned around probably around Thursday. Okay. And so Friday, when it all started, um, you know, we closed up shop like normal and my friends and I actually took a walk Um, and we went down to Maggie Walker statue first. And I think I was just kind of in shock. Like, Oh, they're really going to do this. Oh, they're, Oh, they're really going to protest. And it looked like a lot of younger um, from what Richmond knows as our white arts, maybe more um, hippie, diverse scene that I was seeing out there. So I wasn't shocked to see who I saw. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I saw some of the neighborhood kids come out when the fire and the throwing of bricks started. I did. That's when I said, okay, maybe it's time for me to go home. I don't really understand this, but Michael, I didn't go home. I went straight back to my business. Mm -hmm. Um, and protected my business. Mm-hmm. And I did that for three days until VCU's chief of police 
told me enough was enough mm-hmm. and I needed to just go home. Um, did, but you I, have, did you have black owned business in your window or anything it, like that? But I had it all. I had not only did I have black owned business, I had I had black bodies. Um, my family was there. Mm-hmm. My friends were there. We were, you know, we protect ourselves mm-hmm. in the in our right to protect ourselves. And we protected the business as well. But we got into curfew stuff mm-hmm. in Richmond. And so, like, you know, there was a little bit of back and forth also with law enforcement that were saying that we needed to go home. And I was arguing I'm at home because yeah. I'm protecting my business. Yeah. But let's just talk about like just the start of that weekend and like, did I, you feel I, it was going to get I, that? I, I was totally blindsided. Yeah. I, I didn't think Richmond had it in them. However you feel about what happened. And just, I mean, the most prominent protest I could recall in Richmond was that second amendment, mm-hmm. um, that huge second amendment rally that we had yeah. um, before this. Yeah. and. Richmond, you know, hotbed of social rest of whatever, the sleepy former capital confederacy. I mean, we knew the narrative was changing. We could kind of see it changing in, in not slow motion, but, you know, we got Arthur Ashe Boulevard after yeah. on the third try, and we got rumors of war, mm-hmm. and that was, okay, this is something different. There's a different kind of energy here yeah. that the young people were bringing, that the artsy people were bringing. But I didn't see the explosion coming. I'm like, Minneapolis is going to explode, maybe some of the other larger major cities. But I didn't see Richmond exploding like this. And in hindsight, it made perfect sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And and somebody said, we're going to be worse than Minneapolis. And I laughed. I said, what you mean? How are we going to be worse? And bam, if if we didn't get to, you know, major levels and national levels that put us, I mean, literally, as you as you talked about in your column with these photos, please make sure you log on to Richmond.com. Um, it came out in Sunday's paper. It's called uh, City Forever Impacted by Floyd. Um, I mean, just the photos in general that you get to see of 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 you. This was right here in Richmond. Yeah, yeah it was right here in Richmond. Yeah, just kind of announced that yeah. Richmond is not your grandfather's Richmond. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a different kind of place now. And I'm sure there are people who are in their feelings about that. But mm-hmm. it's a, a lot of the positives that we've seen in Richmond over the last decade are because it's not your grandfather's Richmond. Yeah. Did you have any surprising conversations or any surprising interviews during this, during this time period or any thoughts of reflection where, where someone made you think about like what was going on at, at a, in a light that you may not have thought of. And, and you might not have an answer to that, but I'm just as a black man from this, from this state, were you shocked by any statements? Well, it, I was not so much shocked by any particular statement, but by kind of the evolution in people's thinking over the process that got us from point A, the beginning of the protest to mm-hmm. point B, um, the removal of the monuments where um, just sometimes it takes a shock to the collective system to make people see things in a different kind of way. And especially in these times that we're living in where everyone's just like on team, team red, team blue. Yeah. Everyone's just, their minds cannot be changed. But this was a time where I saw minds actually change. Mm. Mm. And that was refreshing. Yeah. Real quick, after the Monuments is proud to thank Team Henry Enterprises for their support of our show. 
Team Henry Enterprises is a black-owned contracting firm specializing in office, retail, medical, multifamily, and higher education construction of all scopes and sizes. In the wake of the George Floyd protest, Team Henry is the very firm contracted by the city of Richmond to take down the Confederate monuments in Richmond and by many other municipalities to remove other Confederate monuments around Virginia and throughout the Southeast. Learn more about Team Henry and how they can help your community rebuild, renovate, or design at TeamHenryENT.com. Speaking of minds that um, need to be changed or are changing um, as we are having continuous conversations on the fact that Central Virginia is made up of three, well, a lot of different counties, but our major counties are um, Henrico, Hanover, Chesterfield, with the city of Richmond proper. Mm -hmm. Um, And those conversations lead from different governments Mm -hmm. and more importantly, different school boards. And as we are dealing with a governor who is um, almost basically saying our education just He's he's declared war on public education. (laughs) He's just, just, he he, he has issues with the content. Um, He has particular issues with content that involves race and Mm -hmm. America's history of systemic racism. And he has content. He has, he has um, issues with the performance. Now, you know, there are metrics that show, Virginia doing quite well in public education, but he, um, it, it's, all, it's like the economy, too. He's, mm. he's kind of throwing cold water on everything. His, his job basically seems to be to say, Virginia sucks. Yeah. Which is an odd message for a governor. It's not exactly what I would call salesmanship, but uh, that's the politics we live in today where, you know, if your predecessor was of a different party, you want to make it look like the sky's falling. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's rough for education. I mean, it's rough to be an educator right now. I would imagine between the pandemic and, and your governor throwing shade at you and, and the tip lines designed to rat you out. If you, if you say something wrong in the classroom and and yeah, for those that don't know or listen to this nationally, uh, Virginia's governor created a tip line for parents to call in if there was any critical race theory being taught or anything that was uncomfortable for their students. Yeah. Um, you could leave their, a message for their, for their white students. Yeah, it's, it's, it's to pretty, leave a message and yeah. let and basically call out yeah. those educators that um, are teaching that, and it would be handy. Yeah, inherently <laughs> divisive concepts. It's yes, called. yeah, like, because yeah. we don't, you know, history is divisive. Yeah, you know, we. I mean, I don't know how we can can discuss history without going into polarizing topics. That's part of how we develop critical thinking. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so it's so disturbing to see um, parents on the you know just on the news stating that their child is acting out because of racism, or their child is doing all of these things. They to blame racism or the fact that your child is learning about slavery or the enslaved, um, and they're asking you these questions and they're questioning all these things, and that's an that's an act of being, you know, of misbehaving and acting out, and you want that stopped. I think this whole debate, and we, it's, it's framed as parents' rights, mm. although it's, 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 meant, it's, it's meant to uh, appeal to a certain particular right-leaning politically parent. Mm-hmm. Let's be real about it. Um, this entire debate says a lot more about the parent than it does the children and the school children. Um, I, I wrote last week about um, Shenandoah County School Board considering um, reverting back to Confederate school names. Mm-hmm. They had removed, in, in our moment of racial reckoning that we've just talked about in 2020, they removed 
um, the names of Stonewall Jackson High School and another high school named for Turner Ashby and Robert E. Lee, mm-hmm. uh, um, Confederates, mm-hmm. military leaders. And now their you know, new school board comes in. Apparently, people are in their feelings about what the old school board did. Some new school board members got elected, and they're talking about reverting, but that's putting the names back on. Mm. And, you know, just my sense of it um, here in Shenandoah and in a place like Hanover is the kids don't care. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm hearing that, you know, the majority of kids, they had, like a place like Mechanicsville High, um, had the option of going with um, Lee Davis mm-hmm. school rings, and most of them opted to go with Mechanicsville. Yeah. Because I think that's pretty much how young people are built. They want the new. <laughs> yeah. <They're not laughs> yeah. Trying to, you know, get a, a class ring that, uh, for a school that doesn't exist anymore. But yeah. the parent who might have attended or the grandparents are in their feelings about that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a lot of this debate um, is parents and how they feel about education. I think more so than the kids. Do some parenting and try to explain some concepts to them. If they have a book, um, Zeta Elliott's um, book, <laughs> which was. If you read it, you could totally, you know, that anyone, any parent could not navigate that discussion with their child about what that book was about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you were just with her at at Ashland's very first, like, kind of book signing and book club. And that, I mean, to have that in Ashland, which is, you know, in Hanover, yeah. like near well, Hanover. Well, as, I, as I joked that night, Ashland is like the, the People's Republic of Ashland compared to the, <laughs> the rest of Hanover County. Uh, it's, it's kind of the an, center of the universe. Yeah, huh? it's For kind real. of an island of relative moderation. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was a great evening. And uh, I'm glad she made the appearance. And, you know, sometimes the loudest, most vocal parents um, give give you an impression about a place that's not exactly um, the entirety of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the school was named Lee Davis. I mean, and their mascot was the Confederate. Yeah, and it was named, <laughs> and just like in Shenandoah County with Stonewall Jackson, both of those schools were named, built and named in 1959. Mm. That's like the heart mm. of massive resistance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was the year that Prince Edward County closed its schools. Yeah. Bef- starting for five years because of massive resistance to desegregation. Mm. So these, these were statements. Um, a lot of the Confederate iconography that went up in this country happened post Reconstruction and happened during the 1950s when the Civil Rights Movement was gaining steam. These, these are statements, and they're not statements about the Civil War. And, and, and that's the part that makes the conversation so challenging when you have someone that is trying to argue you down that they, this is not racist. This has nothing to do with race. How can you state yeah, that? Just, like, how, I mean, just, like, just an unfortunate coincidence that <laughs> like, how do you state that? that like, these schools went up in the 1950s after Brown versus board of education, just an unfortunate coincidence. Anyway, Michael Paul, but let's, let's stay in Hanover. Let's stay in. Um, you also wrote a cap column recently Um, And I just reported just today in regards to um, there's a group of citizens in Hanover that are um, petitioning um, a referendum for the November ballot to have um, to make um, a Hanover school board an elected school board. It is one of 16 that um, does not. It's part of a a minority, a small minority in Virginia that still has supervisors, members of the board of supervisors appoint the school board yeah um i'm all i'm for anything that moves you toward a more democratic process um you know the outcome may not be any different in hanover mm-hmm. hanover is a very conservative place yeah 
But I've seen um, three school board members removed for no other reason than that they voted to remove Confederate school names. Um, three, from my experience with them, three smart people, fine people who are uh, demonstrably competent and reasonable as school board members, but voted the way the supervisor did not, in their respective districts, did not like yeah. on removal of the school names. And so they were removed. Um, you had um, Sterling Daniel, who uh, uh, was a, this, this representative of the Mechanicsville District, where Lee Davis is and mm-hmm. where Stonewall Jackson Middle School was. He voted to remove the names, which I think was very courageous on his part. Um, he was removed by, um, as part of what the supervisors, or at least one supervisor said, was like, we want more of a business acumen in our school board members. This, he's um, very much, he's at VCU. Okay. And he's very steeped in business. Mm-hmm. It, it was just kind of a ridiculous call, mm-hmm. um, just what he does at Virginia Commonwealth University. So it was clearly a, a, a charade mm-hmm. um, to hire um, or to bring on a CPA who was on the school board in the 1980s, the early 1980s, which is, there's just not a lot of relevant experience. I mean, that's 40 years ago. Yeah. I mean, this is like pre-cell phones, pre-internet. <laughs> Recable. I mean, what lots has changed in education over the last 40 years. Yeah. And um, the gentleman they're bringing on is um, nakedly anti-trans, which fits right in in Hanover yeah. School Board, given um, what they've been doing um, aggressively and thumbing their nose at, at state law mm-hmm. uh, in uh, um, accommodation of trans students and what seems to be settled law on the federal level. Because they still have not made any changes to no. their restrooms, correct? No, they're, they're doubling down. Yeah. They're doubling down. They brought in the Alliance Defending Freedom, which is a notoriously anti-LGBTQ organization. And to, they hired them as a consultant they, group, well, right? they, they would say it's not a hire <laughs> because they're saying ADF um, is doing it for free. Mm. But, um, but, yeah, to bring in them as an equity, to bring in this group as an equity consultant, I mean, as it was put, it was was put to me at one point. It's like bringing in the Proud Boys, yeah, <laughs> to to help out with your equity, yeah. Um, it, it it's just it's a stick in the eye mm. of of trans students and 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 families in Hanover, and I, I don't think it's the job of the school board to essentially declare war on a portion of its constituency. But that seems to be the case. But they did the same thing with the school names for the longest time. They they invited litigation. They got litigation. Um, from the NAACP, um, it, it's just they don't they don't care about spending taxpayer money. Apparently, to be on the wrong side of history. Wow. This is after the monuments of real talk about race. Michael Paul Williams, Kelly Lemon. Um, we are talking about Michael Paul's columns that come out biweekly. Um, you can pick them up at at Richmond Times Dispatch and at Richmond.com. Um, we. Anniversary of, of George Floyd's murder, um, the, the education system right here in the state of Virginia. Um, I, I, I want to talk about uh, another column that you did. But before we do that, I just have to, in a, in a more lighthearted way, please tell me you saw the city council um, from Portsmouth's um, taping where uh, Senator Louise Lucas's daughter <laughs> went <laughs> off in the city council meeting. Oh, I did not tell Oh, me. we have to talk about that. So. 
um, she basically called out um, other representatives of city council for dismissing a member who was also, from what I'm told, and I got to get some more information, a black woman. Um, but she was dismissed um, for some for some not some OK ways when there was other crookedness going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and the MFs that she used during the council meetings Ooh. that have gone viral um, on the Internet um, have definitely put Virginia back in the light. And we were very honored to have Senator <laughs> Jennifer McCullen <laughs> with us recently um, and just talking about just the you know, just the, the climate right now in the state of Virginia and in, in, in the in the battles between the House, the Senate, and just the the, the governor versus everybody else. Uh, I said in um, the column, the only thing more constant than change is the backlash to it. Mm. And I mean, that's, that's what we're living. That's what we're living. So uh, we got to talk about that. We got to get into it because, again, it was very, uh, <laughs> Virginia got his props for being able to be vocal about it. But um, another one of your columns, unfortunately, talked about education um, and the lack of protecting our educators um, health and um, just livelihood when they go to work every day, as we are continuously allowing these guns um, to be bought and sold any old way with no gun law or um, no protection from our politicians, making sure that um, these guns are not easily accessible. Well, the whole good guy with a gun canard is is being exposed um in texas in valde um the story has has is is morphed from this horrific mass shooting in which 19 students and two teachers were killed and 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 others injured at least 17 others were injured to the story of police performance or lack thereof in which they refused to engage the gunman for an hour. And that's a familiar story because in Parkland, um, Florida, a school shooting a few years ago, we had a a school security guard kind of hovering around outside, not wanting to engage. And it calls into question the whole dynamic of the kind of firepower Mm -hmm. that Law enforcement is apparently loathe to confront. Um, we had in Buffalo, we had a shooter with an AR-15 yeah. wearing body armor. Same in Texas. And all this rhetoric, all this flowery rhetoric about supporting the blue. But you can, we continually put them in situations where they're potentially outgunned. Yeah. And lawmakers are okay with that. And, you know, it, it, it rings hollow, just like the response to January 6th mm-hmm. rings hollow about supporting the blue, supporting law enforcement. It, it's, it's, it's a crock. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's just a bunch of talking points. It doesn't really happen. And now, in the face of this police inaction in Texas, there's this absurd rhetoric about arming teachers and making and hardening our schools. Which sounds, I mean, we want to send our kids are traumatized enough yeah. with the shooter drills. Yeah. With the ever continuing body count in our schools from these mass shootings. And now you're talking about arming teachers and 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 making these schools more like military encampments or than 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 welcoming um islands where kids can learn. Um it's it's insane to me. Kids teachers have enough to do. Yeah. Without having to function as 
school security also taking on people with semi-automatic weapons with assault rifles yeah. uh, that law enforcement think twice about taking on. That's yeah. not what police, but that's not what teachers are trained to do. And it just shows that the evasions to any sort of sensible gun control yeah. and, and, and gun restriction uh, have reached a point uh, where it's ludicrous. And, and, and making these schools harder. Uh, city schools <laughs> have, always, yeah. have always been hard yeah. and scary to go into because you walk straight through metal detectors, yeah. you know? Um, and, and now, or maybe not now, this seems like the shootings, of course, are happening at, well, this one wasn't a, ma- a majority white school. This was a, you know, majority yeah. Latino school. Um, you know, however, very much unexpected, but the, the, the city schools are, are armed yeah. and, and, and have security there. And you're not hearing about these mass shootings at these city schools. Unfortunately, the shootings are happening around them. Yeah, and that's they, part I mean, of their daily the lives. Violence in the cities, the schools are an oasis from the violence mm-hmm. that's in the community at large. Yeah. Um, at some of these other schools, it seems like violence is attracted to the schoolhouse. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this is, we talk about race. This transcends race. If we didn't do anything when white first and second graders mm. in Connecticut were slaughtered, yeah. why, do I, why would I have any hope that we'll do something when Latino kids in Texas are slaughtered, elementary school students? It's it just, we don't, we don't care. Regardless of race, the politicians who are protecting the gun lobby, protecting the gun manufacturers, doing anything they can to clean the power, do not care yeah. about any children. And um, that's offensive. After the monuments, a real talk about race with Kelly Lemon and Michael Paul Williams. You can find Michael Paul's columns biweekly, as I've stated. All you have to do is log on to Richmond.com, type his name in, and go back and read them all. We will talk to you all soon on another episode of After the Monuments. After the Monuments is a Virginia Video Network production and produced by Matt Pacilli, Michael Paul Williams, and me, Kelly Lemon. Technical direction and editing from Bill Barksdale, executive production from Paul Farrell, Diane Salvatore, and Paige Mudd. Will Royer provides studio support. Our artwork is by Krishna Mathis. I'm Kelly Lemon, and we'll see you next week on After the Monuments. Huge thanks to Massey Cancer Center for being our After the Monument sponsor.